the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, hallowed all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. and 
defend us, gracious Lord. For this, the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament lesson from the 7th chapter of Deuteronomy, verses 6 through 9. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who were on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord has set upon you and chosen you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments 
even to a thousand generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The epistle lesson from the eighth chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, verses 28 through 39. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, And Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. And so it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? And they said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Mercy and peace be yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today, for today's sermon, is the epistle reading, that famous and beloved section from Paul's letter to the Romans in the 8th chapter, where he begins it with these words, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. And as you heard a moment ago, he concludes it all by saying, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our text. Dear friends in Christ, one has said of these stirring words, That in the galaxy of scriptural passages, few constellations shine as brilliantly, conveying the determined love of our God as does this lustrous star. Indeed, the Lutheran theologian Paul Kretzmann has written of this. He said, in all the letters of Paul, there are few passages that equal and none that exceed this triumphant peal of victorious faith in lofty and sustained power. Addressed to Christians as it is, he says, it should never fail of rousing them to the greatest pitch of faith's fervor and to the utmost confidence and trust in the mercy of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Those are stirring words, soaring words, of soaring words. And for good reason. For from the very beginning of this beloved segment of Scripture, Paul's words are words that move the world-worn Christian to a faithful and contented sigh and to a confident resignation in the face of all things. But remember what he said? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God who have been called according to His purpose. All things work together for our good. And that's a remarkable statement. A remarkable statement because when we do consider all things, when all things are considered, let's face it, far more than conquerors, when we so often feel like the conquered, conquered conquered by all these things, conquered under these non-negotiable things so often, non-negotiable things and circumstances that seem so often to determine the direction and the course of our life. All those things that would seem to be the evidence of things not working together for our good, but rather the evidence it would seem of things in life coming apart, coming undone, untied, unraveled. I'm talking about things like the doctor's diagnosis, that is cancer, and his prognosis that that you're going to have to cancel that trip you've planned. Or worse yet, you better take that trip you've planned if you're ever going to take it at all. I'm talking about things like the difficult illness of your son or your daughter and the challenges that it perhaps hands you and the limitations that it mandates for him or her. I'm talking about the things like many successful yesterdays, perhaps, when it comes to relationships or career and income. Unsuccessful yesterdays, perhaps, in the seemingly only dim horizons of tomorrow. 
I'm talking about tragic losses experienced in your life. Those things. I'm talking about even the consequences of our sin. Even those things. Times when we've intentionally ignored the expressed will of God or or the sins of others as they have and, and the things that it brings about. Those painful consequences in life that are now every single day a part of life. All these things. All these things, they're all the things that would seem to work together for our end and our undoing, but it will not be, says your Lord. I will not let it be. No, it's, it's like the man who found himself on the deserted island. These, these things are the things that work together, literally in the Greek, that synergize for our good. You see, the story is told of an, old, an only survivor of a wreck who was thrown onto an uninhabited in a rather uninhabitable island. Well, after a while he managed to build himself a hut in which he placed the little that he was able to salvage from, from the wreck. He prayed to the Lord for deliverance. And then anxiously day after day and day upon day he scanned the horizon to hail any passing ship that might happen by. Well, one day upon returning from an unsuccessful, an unsuccessful hunt for food, to his dismay and horror, he found his hut, his home, and all that he had in there in flames, going up in flames. The worst, it would seem, had happened. But you know that which seemed to have happened for the worst really was happening for him for the best, because you see, the very next day a ship arrived. And after rescuing the man, the captain had a chance to sit down with this survivor. And he he said to him, you know, we would have sailed right by you had it not been for that smoke signal that you so wisely sent up. That's exactly what Paul means when he uses the word synerge in the Greek, synergize. Working together, it's not just that things will sometimes happen together by a sort of, quote, happen chance, happen together for our better as opposed to our worst, but Paul says it with confidence. He says, we know, we know that they'll work together. We know that they're God engineered with almighty and irrevocable intent to synergize by his hand for the good of you. You who by grace love God. Indeed, was it not the case for Joseph of old? Do you remember Joseph? The favorite son of of old Jacob. A cocktail of circumstances had come together in his life for an awfully bitter drink. Brotherly hatred among some of his brothers. Mixed in with brotherly cowardice among others. Cowardice to defend him. And Joseph found himself literally in the pits. Sold a slave, jailed. And alone in faraway Egypt, many, many miles from the favored life. But you remember Joseph's predestiny and all that God had in store for him. Are you less to God than Joseph? Joseph, who having been exalted to the right hand of Egyptian glory in due time, said of all of those things, Remember what he said to his brothers of all of those things? 
He said, what was meant for harm and ill, God meant it for good. He synergized it all for good. As bad as they are, you have his word that all things will indeed work together for your good, the good of those he's called according to his purpose. It will be. And you can be confident in it for this reason, that it's not some passing thought of God. No, such was God's intention for you even before you were. Now Paul says that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. And you say, well, we've been called in time and by means. And that's true. We've been called in time and through gospel means. For most of us, it was that day that the saving grace of God first touched you in watery baptismal form. That day when he applied to your little head therein all that he had from eternity prepared for you. For many of us, it was through baptism. For others who would come to faith later in life, it was you were called in time and by means through the word of God. The word of God and his gospel word acting upon you, acting in you to create faith, trusting faith in Jesus Christ. Called in time, called through means very true. But remember what Paul says. Remember what he says, that you were in the mind and in the heart of, of God even before time. Ever before he called you, whether through baptism, through his word, before he applied through these things what he had from all eternity predestined for you. For remember what you heard in the epistle reading today. For those whom he predestined, these he also called. What a love of God. What love from God. Love that will not be undone. By all things in time, but instead a love that will work all things together for your good in time and for eternity. Your temporal and eternal good. What a love of God. A love that from before the foundation of the world predestined you to be called in time, to be justified and in due time be glorified. The love of God that would not allow itself to be separated from you. And that's saying a lot. That's saying an awful lot because you and I had by our sins separated ourselves from Him. From His love. That's what Isaiah says. That's exactly and precisely what Isaiah says. He says, your sins have separated you from your God. Now ponder that for a moment. Think of the consequences of it for a moment. Not just for a moment, for all of time. In eternity. Think of it. God, not for you. But against you. All things not working together for your good. But rather all things working as they should. Ponder it for a moment. But then... With faith's repentant sigh of confident resignation, give thanks that that's not how it is. It's not how it is, not for time, not for eternity, not even for a moment. Why? Because God justified you. How? 
with determined love for you and for all. Paul says it. God spared not his own son. Literally, he reserved no leniency for his own son, toward his own son, but he gave him up for us all, quite literally. He handed him over on behalf of us all. You see, God would not allow mankind, that means you and me, any of us, God would not allow mankind to remain separated from him, and so his love moved him to reconcile a separated world unto himself, not counting our trespasses against us precisely because he counted them against his son, Jesus Christ. God would not let us remain conquered, but gives us, Paul says, the victory, justification through Jesus Christ as we're connected to Jesus Christ, our Lord. No sweeter words could be spoken from the mouth of God and heard by the ears of sinners. In these of Paul, he spared not his own son. He gave him up for me. You think about those words and they'll convince you those words. They'll convince you that he's not God against you. But as you heard today, he's God for you. God for you. Paul exhorts you, doesn't he? In the text, he says, think about it. If he spared not his own son, but was willing to and indeed give him up for you. What would he now not do for you? What would he now not do for you if he was willing to do that for you? Old Lutheran theologian John Gerhard, not the, the hymnist that gave us our beautiful sermon hymn, Paul Gerhard, but the theologian John Gerhard said it like this. Summarizing him, paraphrasing him, he said, if hell didn't keep Christ from you, but he embraced it into death for you, if death wouldn't separate him from you, now that Christ lives, what could possibly, possibly keep him from you? And if God is for you, who possibly can stand against you? Make no mistake about it, they will try. The devil will try, and he will stand against you. The world will stand against you, our own sinful nature. Our own sinful nature, yet still within us, will be no friend in this regard, and will stand against you. They'll all stand against us. They'll all try to convince us that God's love even though undeterred from eternity, they'll try to convince us that God's love will somehow now fail you. And they'll stand and they'll accuse you. They'll accuse you of wrongs and they'll be right. They'll accuse you of your wrongs and they'll be right. And they would convince you that Christians are made by moral blood, sweat, and tears by the good that you do. And they'll remind you where you've been. They'll remind you what you've been. And how short you've come. And almost imperceptibly they'll persist. They'll persist until victory is in reach. And then they'll barrage. And when they do. Then you remind them. Who are you to lay a charge against one of God's elect. 
It is God who justifies, and he's justified me. Who are you to condemn? Friends, live confidently in that victory. That's yours in Christ. They will try, and by tribulation, they'll too stand against you, looking to separate you from Christ or to convince you that you can become separated from him. By tribulation, you know the Greek there is thlipsis. I think some weeks ago in the sermon, we, the, the word came to us, philipsis. philipsis it, it's an intense pressing, pressure, tribulation. And by distress, there the Greek word means a, a narrowness of room. So that with stresses closing in on us on all sides, perhaps, one, one would panic in fears, faithless, claustrophobia. They'll, they'll try by, by tribulation and distress or by persecution or famine of food or nakedness of clothing. Or finally, by danger of the blade of a sword or the muzzle of a gun. They will try to convince you that you can be Christ's love from you can be conquered. They tried to convince Paul. Remember, Paul was there in every one of those circumstances. In all of those places, places perhaps that you've been. Or certainly one day will be. He knew it and you know it too, what it is to be under the heel of all of these things. You know tribulation, you know distress. You know famine of food or friends or family, maybe famine of fairness. You know the danger of confessing Christ's love and the separation that in, indeed it may cost. You know, for you've seen it firsthand, you know, you know what it looks like. You know what it looks like when cancer wins, when infection conquers, when death separates you and loved ones. Through all of these things, they will try to convince you that you're conquered by reminding you what cancer can do and tribulation can do and peril can do, and sword can do, but friends, never ever forget, never forget what cancer can't do, and tribulation can't do, and trial can't do, and sword can't do. In all of these things we are not conquered, Paul says, but are more than conquerors through him, through him, who said, I have overcome the world. Never forget what these things can never ever do to you. For nothing, nothing is able to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Neither death nor life. Why? For Christ, your head, is master of them both. Life and death. Neither death nor life nor angels, principalities or powers. Why? Because Christ, the greater Joseph, who ascended to the right hand of power above all principalities and powers... The greater Joseph is your brother. Neither shall things present, nor things to come for Christ. Is he not the first and the last, the same yesterday, today, forever? Nor shall height separate you, nor death separate you. For does not Christ Jesus fill all things, nor shall anything else? Paul says in all of creation, and mind you, that includes everything. But God himself, nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus your Lord. 
For no one, he says, will snatch you out of my hand. These words of our Lord, they do shine with brilliance, don't they? It's no wonder that they are shared so often and have been shared so often at funerals, funerals of your loved ones, at hospital bedsides in life's darkest and deepest hours. They're words that have carried countless Christians just like you through countless trials and over many stormy seas. It's the breath of the Holy Spirit filling the sails of souls until they reach their haven at last. God, fill us so by these words that we may too unto our final breath breathe life's faith's confidence sigh, resting in the enduring love of God that's in Jesus Christ your Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
a people chosen, justified and sanctified by the love of God in Christ. Let us now come before his high throne of grace in our privileged prayer, making our requests in behalf of the Church of God in Christ Jesus and all people according to their needs. We pray. O most gracious God, compassionate Father, you regarded mankind in a sinful condition and made him unto yourself a treasured possession by sparing not your own son, but redeeming all mankind by his precious blood. As you withheld not even Christ, but delivered him up for us all, teach us to live life confident that you will indeed give to us, your children, all things needful, that through Christ we may in every time of life be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. A faithful God, by our regular use of word preached and sacraments administered, keep us firmly rooted in Christ, that with your Apostle Paul we too may be firmly convinced that no sin of the past, nothing present, nor anything to come can ever separate or separate us from your saving love in Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Leave not, O Lord, your people without pastors, and leave not your pastors without people, but bring them together around the right teaching of your word and administration of your sacraments, that in their lives the work of the Holy Spirit would accomplish your will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord of the kingdom, overcome our timidity, that we may constantly and consistently confess Christ and him crucified. To that end, work through us in the various vocations in which you have placed us in our lives in this world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord of all good, you bid us pray for our daily bread, for all that we daily need to supply our body and lives. Accordingly, grant us public leaders determined to achieve and maintain justice and peace. Protect the police officers that serve our communities, that their efforts might be fruitful in preserving civil order. Defend those who fight the fires that burn in this arid season, that they may not suffer loss of health or life, but accomplish their goals. Shield the members of our military from harm's way that they may accomplish all godly objectives and be delivered finally and safely to families and grateful citizens at home. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Receive our thanks for the gift of the first great-grandchild you granted to Clyde and Margie Fraser. Graciously receive this child unto yourself and sustain little Charles Joseph unto life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Extend your healing hand, O merciful God, upon the infirmed and the sick among us. Grant strength to Dorothy Latham, recovering from a recent fall. Uphold Vernon Lee and Dick and Elsie Much, Paul Dewell, Marguerite Health, Slim Paul, Louise Snyder, and their infirmities. Be with and bless Hugh Ryan and Toad Phillips as they continue to recover from recent surgery. Help them and those who love and support them to know that all things must work together for their good though that good may not be fully comprehended in this side of heaven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let all who struggle with particular sins of the past or the guilt of sins committed in the past repent of them and find solace and peaceful pardon in the knowledge that it is you, O God, who justifies the sinner, so that there is none left to condemn. Forgetting then what lies behind, grant us faith to live life forgiven, pressing on to that which lies ahead prepared for us in heaven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Preserve among us, O Lord, the means of grace, your word and sacraments, that through them we may be delivered to us that which is most needed, namely forgiveness and life and salvation. As you sanctified the saints of old, 
fixing their eyes upon the Christ of the cross, who will come again in glory. So sanctify us in our day that confessing the faith we too will be gathered together with all of the kingdom and then be fully conformed to the glorified image of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O blessed Lord, you have caused all scripture to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.